It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Falcons by the betting lines, something revealing from Kevin Herter, and I think we'll see Shoemake later on this fall. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or every listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So the Falcons buy the betting line. So if we look at what the Atlanta Falcons potential record is going to be based upon the odds in the games through every week of the season. So for instance, week one against Carolina, they're a two and a half point favorite week two against the green Bay Packers. They're a one point favorite against the Detroit lions. They're a five point underdog Jacksonville four point underdog. That'll be the game in London. The Texans, they're a three point favorite. The commanders, they're a one point favorite against the Buccaneers. They're a one point favorite. The Titans, they're a one-point underdog. Minnesota, they're a one-point underdog. Arizona, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, even going on the road, because Arizona's a bad roster. Um, the Saints in Week 12, uh, the, the Falcons are a one-point underdog. Against the Jets up in New York against A.A. Ron, they are a six-and-a-half-point underdog to the Jets. Tampa Bay, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Carolina, a one-point underdog. That's the game on the road with Carolina. Indianapolis at home, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Against the Bears, second-to-last week of the season, one-point underdog. And then at the New Orleans Saints to close out the year, a two-and-a-half-point underdog. So based upon what the betting lines say that the Falcons are going to be, they've got the Falcons at 7-10. and 10. Now couple of things that to take away from all this one is that there are so many one point games that as we move through the schedule if the Falcons are a good team and some of these other teams end up being not so good those lines can certainly swing you can go from being a one point underdog to a one point favorite in not much time and, and not having to have a crap ton of money move on that game and vice versa I mean, if they're a one-point favorite, they can be a one-point underdog. So things can change. And, and this is what we've talked about with the schedule, right, is that there are so many teams on the Falcons' schedule that we don't not only know what the Falcons are going to be, but there is a lot of teams on their schedule that could maybe be good, maybe not be good, <clears throat> may fall on their face, may be the class of the league if things work right. You know, I mean, even in our division, when you look, Tampa Bay is a team that I think is in kind of, I don't want to say free fall mode, but they're pretty close to free fall mode. The Carolina Panthers, they're rebuilding. 
they've got a rookie quarterback. They got the number one pick in Bryce Young, but are they going to be any good? The Saints, you know, they obviously have their talent. They signed their big time quarterback, but are they going to be good for it? You know, so there's so many teams that are on the Falcons schedule that when you go through and look can be swing games and certainly that it can influence the line one direction or the other from underdog to favorite. Now, do I think the Falcons are a seven and 10 football team at the end of the day? No, I don't think the Falcons are a seven and 10 football team. I, I think that they are a better, I think they're at least a nine win team. And we talked about this, the floor and the ceiling for the Falcons. There should be no reason why, even if you're just a little bit better in one score games, that you shouldn't be at least a nine win team this year. And look, that's going to be the probably, I think it's going to be at least the minimum expectation to not put Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot on any kind of hot seat. If they're less than, if they're seven and 10, eight and nine, okay, even if they show improvement, I think Arthur Blank is going to put them on the hot seat. Like they're not going to get fired, but those two guys are going to definitely be on a hot seat where if you don't get off to a good start the following season, then there may be some changes, but we'll worry about that when, when all of that comes and all those different things. So again, you have so many teams on the schedule that, that can fluctuate as to being good, bad, or otherwise. I think the couple of interesting things that stand out in this, um, one is they're basically a touchdown favorite, or sorry, a touchdown underdog to the New York Jets. And again, the Jets are not a playoff team, but obviously with A.A. Ron, a lot of people think that they are going to be a much better squad. I think the Lions game is a very interesting spread on that game where the Falcons are a five-point underdog, and it tells you a lot about what, what Vegas thinks about how good the lines are going to be. We talked about the lines before, about the fact that, look, they went from being one of the most dreadful organizations in the NFL to being a 9-8 and eight football team this past year and finishing in second place in their division. And obviously, drafting Aiden Hutchinson, drafting Panay Sewell the year before has changed up the dynamic and direction of their team, and they feel like that they've got a shot, right? <clears throat> and that division is wide open. Don't know if the Bears are going to be any good. You know, that'll be that'll be a very interesting game. Look, the the Saints game, always a coin flip, right? That that that's always when you have those rivalry games, and especially with Saints and Falcons, you can I mean, I know it's cliched to say this, but you can throw the record out the window, but you really can. You can throw the record out the window when those two franchises meet up with one another. And now we have Ryan Nielsen as our defensive coordinator. Obviously, spent a lot of time and a lot of familiarity with what the New Orleans Saints are and what they have been and their defensive line coach for years. So, again, I think the Lions game is very interesting from an odds um, standpoint. I think the Packers game <coughs> is very interesting from an odds standpoint because the Falcons are a one-point underdog to the Green Bay Packers. We don't know what the Packers are going to be. I, I, I heard Roy Butler on our radio station yesterday talk about the idea of Jordan Love is ready. Okay, well, is he? Is he ready? Because, again, for some of their lack of success at times in Green Bay, they certainly did have one of the premier, if not the premier quarterback on their roster who was a difference maker in a lot of games. Can Jordan Love be that same guy? Nobody's going to be a Aaron 
but can Jordan Love have the impact on a game the way that Aaron Rodgers did? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. They still have plenty of talent, and Matt LaFleur is going to have his work cut out for him. But when you look at all of this in a nutshell, number one, I don't think that the Falcons are going to be a 7-10 and 10 football team, despite what the odds for each individual game say that they're going to be. I think they'll be a little bit better than that, but there is so much fluctuation in the schedule. There's so many things in flux for this team that it is hard to get not just a handle on what the Falcons are going to be, okay, but what the Falcons' opponents are going to be. You know, the fact that they're a, what, two-and-a-half-point favorite out in Arizona tells you a lot about how bad Arizona is. You're not getting that three-point boost just by being at home. They're basically, on a neutral field, they're basically almost a touchdown favorite in that game. That's because the Arizona's got a bad roster. They got they got probably more holes than any other roster in the NFL. So, you know, again, I think there's a lot of opportunity. If you, if you get in the betting world and you're going to put some money down on some things, I think that there is real action to be had because if you look overall, I don't think the Falcons are going 7-10. and 10. I think they're going to be a better team than all of that, but there's a lot of fluctuation in games that could go one direction or the other. Maybe the best thing to do is get your money in early, take advantage of some of those lines, because I think the Falcons are two or three wins better than what the odds makers say that they're going to be. All right, this episode of Hitting Hard is brought to you by Built Bar, as look, everybody's trying to eat healthier, get in better shape, right? We're looking for those high-protein, uh, high, uh, uh, low-calorie, low-carb, low-sugar types of snacks. Well, Built Bar's got you covered. They've got the great flavors coming out every single month. Four net grams of carbs, four grams of sugar, 130 calories, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now they have the opportunity to buy Built Bars a couple of different ways. So one is you can go to Built.com, order your box of Built Bars, get them shipped directly to your home. Now, though, you can also go to Sam's Club or Walmart, the pharmacy section of Walmart, and pick up your box of Built Bars right off the shelf. So whether you go the brick-and-mortar route, whether you want to go online, Built Bars got you covered all the way around as the great snacks, the protein-infused marshmallow puffs, the traditional protein bars. They've got you all covered, but now more ways to buy, going to the store, going online, Built.com or Sam's Club and Walmart. Get your box of Built Bars today. So... This was a revealing quote from Kevin Herter, who was, oh, he was on the Old Man and the Three podcast. That's with J.J. Reddick and Tommy Alter. And this was back on May 17th, a couple of days ago. And it was very interesting to read or, you know, to read what he what he had to say. I didn't listen to the podcast, but what he had to say about the Atlanta Hawks at the time. So here's his quote, quote. That was almost like the start of our downfall, was that was the run that we went on. We won before we were expected to win or before we should have. Let's call it, that just put a fast forward on our timeline, and I don't think our team as a whole was fully at that point. Now, the Hawks since then have gone 84 and 80. Um Quote, the expectations for the team just went through the roof the next year because we made a conference finals. And it was conference conference finals or bust 
And maybe as a unit, we weren't there yet. Now, interesting that he <clears throat> that he would say that because, look, we as fans, I, I don't I don't know that everybody like I didn't have Eastern Conference Finals or bust, but the idea was to build off of what we had done in getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, a and I think that his point has some validity to it that we all did put expectation on. Okay. <clears throat> this is going to be the next great young franchise. Trey Young is the next great young superstar. Trey Young was the babe, the boy coming off that Eastern Conference final. He could do no wrong. I mean, he was all of the, the flavor of the month and all these other kinds of, you know, things that you would say about him. He was looked at in a totally different light coming off that Eastern Conference finals run. He carried the team in a lot of ways. You know, they had a good roster. They still had enough good young players. And Trey Young and John Collins and Kevin Herter, right? You, you felt like that. And, and then they were fighting, obviously, injuries with Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. So he definitely thought that they were a roster and a franchise that was on the rise, right? Up arrow for the Atlanta Hawks. Because they got themselves into the five seed that year. And even though that they had the same record as the New York Knicks, that's why they ended up with the five seed because the Knicks and Hawks had the fourth best record, but the head to head matchup put the Hawks at the five seed. So they technically did have a top four record in the Eastern conference. They just, because of the head to head got the five seed for it. But it is interesting to think about the idea of, did this team have too much expectation and, and did ownership in the front office? Because think about it. Number one is not only have they not capitalized on that Eastern Conference Finals run, but they have completely reorganized the organization as a whole. It's not just coach, it's general manager and, and president of basketball operations and who the owner turns to, right? Having his son, Nick Ressler, in the fold now. Like there were so many things that changed that, because they didn't capitalize on that run. Now, do I think that they were Eastern Conference Finals or bust? No, but certainly you would have thought after coming off that kind of run that a second-round playoff series should have been the minimum expectation. Look, we've just talked about, you know, what Quinn Snyder and the Hawks' expectation is. I think it's second-round playoff, top four or five seed, because at some point, Right, if you're going to be a championship caliber organization, <clears throat> if you're going to really contend for an NBA title, at some point there has to be a jumping on point, right? At some point that you have to figure some things out and you have to be up arrow and your franchise has to be going in a good direction. But maybe because these guys were so young when they did all of this that it, it put an unrealistic expectation on them. Now, look, we wouldn't trade that Eastern Conference Finals run. That was arguably the best Hawks team we had seen in our lifetime, right? At least as far as from a success point. I mean, maybe not a talent standpoint, but from a success standpoint, that was arguably the, 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 the team that went the furthest in all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, they had gotten to, you know, two games from being in the NBA Finals. So from a success standpoint, it was the best team ever. Don't know if it was from a talent standpoint their best team, but still, 
you would have thought that they would have at least at least built off of that run. Now, he goes on to say, too, quote, I would say that team skipped a step and we overachieved for that year and we went on a great run. But ultimately, two years later, all these expectations that have happened and everyone thought, all right, we're going to make a lot of changes because now we're failing as a team, when in reality, we might not have consistently built to that point anyway. And I think we were getting that. We were building. It just never came to fruition. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Now, do I think that the Hawks' downfall was that Eastern Conference Finals? I don't believe that. And I understand people who do. I can I can understand and sympathize with the idea of that the Eastern Conference Finals run may not have been a good thing in hindsight. But I wouldn't have traded that run for anything. I wouldn't have traded the run that they went on, beating Philadelphia, getting to the finals. You know, that was an exciting series against Milwaukee, getting to within two games. Obviously, look, Trey Young steps on the referee's ankle and things change, right, completely. Maybe the Hawks could have gotten themselves to the NBA finals. Maybe they could have beaten that Phoenix team. I mean, it's a lot of what ifs and who knows. But still, I wouldn't trade that run for anything. But it is interesting that the Hawks have not built anything off of that. Now they've gotten rid of their coach. They've gotten rid of their GM, president of basketball operations. They've changed up, you know, not their ownership group, but who the owner um, goes to. Now his son is in the mix and has influence. And now we've got new coach, GMs, assistant GMs. The whole organization has changed. I, and again, I, I I don't blame all of this on, you know, the expectations that were set. Because, look, you have to have expectations, right? You have to have some expectation. When you achieve success, you want to build off that success. The problem is, is that the bottom fell out of the organization. You went from Eastern Conference Final to barely making the play-in and then a first-round exit where you were basically run off the court by the Miami Heat. I mean, it, it shouldn't have been that one extreme or the other. I can understand Kevin Herter's point, but still, it should have been better than what it was that following season where you were the nine seed, barely got in the play-in, you know, had to win two games, and then got blown out in you know the Miami series four games to one. And didn't look good, you know, in that series completely. So while I understand his point, it, it is an interesting one, but you still have to have expectations for what your franchise is going to be. And the fact is, is that they did not find a way to capitalize off of any success that they had. Look, it'd be one thing if they were just a second round playoff team. Nate McMillan still may be here if they were a second round playoff team. After that year, he might have gotten a full a chance to coach a full year. And, and maybe in hindsight, it worked out that they went on that run and everything kind of gotten blown out because I think the Hawks are in a better place now. They look at this roster and they kind of, OK, you know, who can we build around? Who can we not build around? Quinn Snyder is now our head coach. <clears throat> we feel like there's some front office stability, albeit, again, we don't know what Nick Ressler's role is or if Landry Fields is actually the guy calling the shots as far as personnel goes over Quinn Snyder, but maybe we've come out better for all of it. Maybe, you know, again, when you get high, you have to hit low 
to get back up and figure out where you are. But I wouldn't trade that Eastern Conference Finals run for anything. I, I certainly think that that was a great thing for the city of Atlanta. That was a great thing for this franchise. The problem is, is that they just didn't build off of any of the expectations that we had. I don't think that they were Eastern Conference Finals or bust moving forward. But certainly they had to be better than what they were in that follow-up season where they basically just fell flat on their face. And I'll tell you, the whole we don't care about the regular season coming off that Eastern Conference Finals run, I think was that was their mindset that, hey, we can just go on this run anytime we want. They found out that it wasn't that easy. And they found out that if you don't play during the regular season really well, that you're starting from a, a definite you know um, low point and just you, you're behind the eight uh, immediately in all this. All right, once you make hitting hard with John Chuck, where you first listen, make sure that you go into whatever platform that you're listening on and go into our comments section and let us know that you're an everyday listener. So we call them our everydayers. So we want you to be a part of our community. Obviously, subscribe to our channels, but let us know in the comments section of whatever platform you're on that you're an everyday listener, as we call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. And we thank you so much for being a part of this journey of Locked On Sports Network here in Atlanta. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So Braden Shoemake was sent down yesterday. Um, I think uh, Adrianza is going to end up being called up um, as we start this Seattle series at home. And then I, I will tell you, I'm really looking forward to starting next week where the Braves are going to have the Dodgers in town for three games. And then they're going to also host the Philadelphia Phillies as we move into Memorial Day weekend itself. They're going to host the Phillies for a four-game set. So I will say that I definitely think that this seven-game set next week, okay, we get through Seattle, we win two or three, you know, games against them, okay, you know, improve our home record and all that good stuff. Then we get ready for the Dodgers and Philadelphia, and here comes Freddie Freeman, here comes Bryce Harper, right? <clears throat> Everybody kind of coming in. These, these will be interesting games next week. We'll talk probably more about that first part of the week, but – Braden Shoemake was sent down. Um, Adrian's is probably going to get activated. So now Vaughn Grissom and Braden Shoemake are down in Gwinnett, and they can tinker with that, obviously, double play combo where, you know, Grissom plays short, Shoemake plays second, and those guys can play every day. But I definitely think that we're going to see Shoemake sooner than later. And, and I, I think that he's going to be – I think they're going to give Shoemake a chance to just get his sea legs underneath him, play a full minor league season. And then I think come September, we're going to see him called back up. Now, look, we may end up seeing if, if there is any kind of real injury to our infield group, then that may change plans. And I think Shoemake was a call away last year. I think that, you know, with Vaughn Grissom, they wanted him to come up and play. But I think if they had had one more injury, to their infield, Shoemake would have been up at that point. So 
I like Shoemaker. I I, I I like him. Saw him play a little bit of Texas A&M. I mean, I, I think he can do some good things. You know, his power has been one of the things that has been questioned. He's got five homers down in, in minor leagues. I think, I think his career high is 12 homers in 80-some-odd games or whatever like that. He does have five homers in the, you know, Gwinnett portion of his schedule, basically not playing here at the major league level. But he's still a guy that I believe in. And I think he can do some good things. I don't know what his ultimate position is going to be. Is it going to be second base? Is it going to be shortstop? I don't think that they, I don't, I don't think the Braves organization knows for sure what that's going to be. But I like his ability. I, I like his defense. I like a lot of things about Shoemaker, wherever he profiles out to. But don't be surprised, even over maybe potentially Vaughn Grissom, even more than Vaughn Grissom, because I think Vaughn Grissom is at a point where I don't want to say he's at a crossroads, but he needs to get himself to where he needs to be able to win the job. Look, Orlando Arcia has been magnificent this year. He He's arguably one of the Braves MVPs. I know Ronnie's been so good. Sean Murphy's been so good. And on a national level, they're MVPs for this club. But Arcia internally might have some MVP voting for him because he's been so good. And he's been clutch, not just with his defense, but his bat has been unbelievable hitting in that nine spot. So Shoemaker, though, is a guy that I wonder even over Vaughn Grissom, if they don't have an injury, that if he's not the guy that's called up even over Vaughn Grissom. And I think at, at worst case scenario, as, as a worst case bottom line, I think Shoemaker's a guy that's going to get called up in September. I think I think Grissom, Shoemaker, those guys will be back up with the club when the rosters expand and you get into September. I think that those are a couple of guys that you're looking at that will be on the club. But I definitely think that Shoemaker is a guy that I don't want to say he's on the fast track. I don't think that's the right term because, again, they're not going to rush him up or things like that. But don't be surprised if they don't call up Shoemaker even over Vaughn Grissom if the Braves end up with another injury. And that could be second base or shortstop. And I'm not wishing injury on anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, listen, things happen, right? And and we've seen guys, you know, on this team get hurt. Uh, you know, Ozzy's obviously had injury issues and things like that. We saw Arcia, you know, miss some time earlier on in the year. He missed, what, 20-something games earlier this year. So, again, I would not be surprised if Shoemaker ends up finding his way up on the big club if there's an injury or two. And I don't, I think it's even over Vaughn Grissom. I think that they like what his upside is and his potential is. <clears throat> and I think that they want to try to figure out if Vaughn Grissom can be an everyday type of starting player for a team for the Braves more specifically, but if he can be an everyday starter. So I'm, I'm high on Braden Shoemaker. I, I, I think he's got a lot of potential. We'll see what happens. We'll see if it develops. Certainly, we got to figure out what position he's going to play at the end of the day. But I definitely like what his upside is. And don't be surprised if we see him sooner rather than later. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. So whatever platform that you're listening on, head over to the comment section. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call them. You're listening in five days a week to the programs, to the podcast. Certainly, we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. But check us out on all of our uh, podcast platforms. You can subscribe or follow for free 
on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Sirius XM is also where you can check us out. Check us out on the Sirius XM app, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Have a great weekend, everybody. Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 